You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 53. Hey there, Impact Drivers. Welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today I am really excited to share one of my favorite people with you, Amanda Oakenfold. We are going to be talking about the virtual PMO. Is it possible and can you still truly drive an impact in a virtual environment? Now, before I go any further, I wanted to let you know this episode is sponsored by Clarison. Clarison offers the only adaptive solution on the market for enterprise collaborative work management. Their solution enables you to work in whatever manner you want, whether waterfall, agile, or a combination of the two. Companies find immense value in the visibility the solution brings across the many work streams at an organization, regardless of where the work is being done. People quickly turn ideas into strategies, plans, and actions to adapt and respond faster to market changes. Project leaders can move faster with better data, eliminate work chaos with complete transparency, and work smarter with better results. You can learn more at pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Clarison. That's pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Clarison. Now let me tell you a little bit about Amanda before we dive in. As an experienced executive, Amanda brings over 20 years of professional experience in the public and private sector, where she has successfully delivered large transformations in the defense, ICT, telecommunications, engineering, and health sectors, from initial strategy development all the way through to implementation delivery, and actually the most important part, ongoing benefits realization. Amanda's career has developed with a specialization in portfolio and program management delivery and recovery, contract management, business strategy, management, and advisory services. She also has been engaged as a trusted advisor, bringing her deep experience as a mentor within the Australian Institute of Project Management PMO program, upskilling the next generation of portfolio and program specialists. Wow, Amanda, thank you so much for all that you've done and thank you for giving back to the community the way you do. And most importantly, welcome to the show. Yeah, this is great. Fantastic. Thanks for having me today. Oh, of course. And by the way, for those of you listening, Amanda is a speaker at the upcoming PMO Impact Summit and actually has spoken for us in the past at the PMO Impact Summit. So make sure that you check out her session. She's going to be talking all about how PMO leaders and project managers can and should be delivering value to the business. She's going to share some secrets with you, some of her best practices, and help you figure out how to apply what she's sharing with you, no matter the situation you're in. And by the way, she has some really super cool analogies that I totally love. So make sure you're signed up for the PMO Impact Summit. You can do so at PMOImpactSummit.com or just download the Impact Driver Network app on your mobile device. And we look forward to starting the conversation with you and seeing you at the summit. Okay, Amanda, you ready to dive in? Let's go. Okay, so the question of the day is, and with all that's been going on in recent months with the global pandemic, a lot of PMOs have been forced to become virtual. And what I'm wondering is, from your perspective, 
is it really a stopgap and we should just all get back into the office as quickly as we can? Or is it possible to actually really drive a big impact in your organization being a completely virtual PMO? What do you think? Oh, we should embrace it with both arms. We are in a position right now, culturally and technologically, where we can offer amazing services to the clients through virtualizing our PMO. Your efficiency goes up, your productivity goes up. I often wonder why this hasn't been embraced and done earlier than it has now. There were a number of times I've tried to apply virtual PMOs and the hesitance has generally been purely cultural. Mm -hmm. Um, But now we're in a world where people are embracing the technology a lot more and that is probably going to be a catalyst for us to be able to do this. I find that a virtual PMO, you have got more time and ability to reach into your project systems tools to be able to even do data analysis in a more efficient manner. Report productions are often done in a more efficient manner this way. Being able to kick some of those foundational parts of PMO service provision is something that can be done virtualized and can be done efficiently, effectively, and with clarity of just utilizing the data. And the overlay that you get from management can still be embraced through a virtual conversations. So mm-hmm. the context that you're required for that can still be done. I, I cannot for the life of me understand why you wouldn't, even as a client, embrace this opportunity. Your return on investment's greater. Your PMO seems to be able to be more efficient, effective by being able to use some of that quiet time and really hone and focus on its outputs. So I think it's an amazing opportunity to do this. It can also, when you get deep skilled PMO people working in that virtual network, you can do a lot of multi-project assessments a lot more quickly. Your data analysis uh, happens a lot more quickly. You've just got this fluidity between the systems that you are able to utilize. The conversations that you would normally have There's good and bad. Sometimes when you're having those conversations, some of the true data analysis is tainted by perspective, by a single point perspective that can come over top. Sometimes it's enhanced by that perspective. But being able to utilize a virtual PMO means that you can probably look at that just as another data input rather than being persuaded through cultural means. So it's a really good time to embrace that opportunity. You can also do a lot more multi-pro. I think I just mentioned more multi-projects, the time availability. I'm just finding it a really awesome time to embrace this and consider it as an option for both clients and PMOs alike. But I think what's interesting is that a lot of organizations and the culture really drove the in-person interaction and engagement. And then globally, we were forced to let go of the way we used to do things, right? And so it was a very interesting exercise in organizational change management where we didn't really have the choice. We had to adapt. And for PMOs, that meant that they had to learn to meet a different set of business needs. They had to shift and evolve to meet a different set of business needs, a different set of priorities in many cases. And They had to do it in a completely different operating model than most of them were used to. Not all of them, but most of them were used to a different operating model. And I was just having a group coaching session today with my Impact Engine PMO signature program. We have a group uh, that participates in coaching 
And it was interesting as people were talking about being a few months into this and now companies are starting to open back up and a lot of the people in the teams that have been working remotely don't want to go back to the office. And many of them are saying we're actually a lot more productive at home. And if the PMO's role is to help drive an even greater return on investment and the individuals actually truly are more productive, maybe for some of the reasons you mentioned, like they actually can create a forced white space, a forced quiet space to focus and they can just not be on a Zoom call and nobody can interrupt them. If they don't answer their phone, they can Mm -hmm. create space for thinking and for planning work and things that the, have you got a second, right? The pins, have you got a second? Those used to drive me crazy because I, on the one hand, wanted to be super available to my team. And on the other hand, if I didn't get any quiet space, then the thinking wasn't happening and I wasn't being proactive and properly taking care of my team and planning and all that. So you can create more white space. Also, it lets you potentially be a little bit more picky about Mm -hmm. the meetings you attend and people aren't spending a lot of time in traffic and frustrated and commuting. And so most people I know have actually turned those hours they were commuting, especially if they had a long commute into additional work time. And the organizations are seeing more productivity, but also probably even some more hours because they don't have some of the same constraints. Now this isn't across the board, but for all the reasons you're mentioning, there's a lot of potentials here. Certain organizations have said, Hey, we're getting rid of our office space we are going virtual or we're going to have 15% of our office space available for people to come in on occasion, but why can't we work at home? And then the other side of that is there are those that feel, and this is one reason maybe, that they can't control the others and they can't monitor them if they're not right in their faces, right? So there's the other side of this too, is that this is going to require business leaders to actually be leaders and not micromanagers and help lead their organizations to the outcomes, not just count on micromanagement as an effective method to keep people productive. So what do you think about these kind of pros and cons that people are experiencing right now? Well, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. And what I've also found is that I'm very passionate when we're talking about PMOs. Now, it's only one aspect of a PMO, but I'm just going to center down on reporting for the second. Mm -hmm. I do find that when I'm doing a lot of recovery work, you walk into a PMO and you ask them about their reporting systems and they say, oh, we fill in a template. So all of the way that your project is running is run through scheduling, it's run through your logs, it's run through your tools. Right. Now, why are we putting all this effort into putting all of our information into those tools and then we ignore them and we go and fill in a template that we're (laughs) just filling with perspective? And then we start making our management decisions about these perspectives that can be tainted by human nature. They're just perspectives. So why I'm, again, really passionate about this virtualization is that you should be pulling the data that fills and populates your report out of your tools because your tools are the things that are how you are managing your project. Right. So populate the data automatically and then apply a management or a project management overlay. That is the perspective at the top, the little conversations that we have that puts the context around some of the red, amber, greens, whatever your controls are, and then you produce the report. Because of that, you can cut back on these long-winded conversations. You can automate it out of your tool. 
you can actually start maturing and uplifting your tools, utilizing your tools to populate the conversation piece, which is your reporting. Right. And then add the overlay. Now that works really well, faster, quicker, more efficiently in the virtual space and allows people to have that white space for analytics. So in that PMO momentum, there is a lot, I think people don't appreciate the amount of data analytics that goes on to have a look at and review and assess the project success and where it needs to be redirected and helped. That comes into place and is really powerful if you utilize that mechanism between pulling out all of the data out of the tools that manage your project Because the way we're doing it right now, when we are in an office space and you have your feet on the carpet, people are relying too heavily on human perspective and they're making management, it baffles me, they're making management decisions that are not data driven. Right. The data is based on feelings or or, viewpoints. And often I'm walking into executive meetings and we're having talks about agendas that are focused on the reports. And there's a white elephant stuck in the corner that no one's talking about because that's been hidden in the middle of a schedule or it's been hidden in the middle of a log, whether it's a dependency log, risks, issues, all this stuff that project managers use every day is not feeding that reporting. So when we virtualize it, it almost has to, and you can automate that process. So you starting to look more at the what is, focusing on using our tools for what they are there to do and you're providing a a space to do a lot more of the analytical aspects of your service provision uh, rather than walk around and have 500 conversations get everybody's perspective and everyone votes in and sees whatever the problem is and that can have a lot more erroneous data because of, of applying that technique so i think it's fantastic that we should embrace it with both hands and just say look the time's right people are now used to virtualized conversations We have an opportunity. We certainly have the technology. We have been able to do it for at least the last decade to reach in remotely. Why not? Let's do it. You're going to get bang for buck. You can start in a virtualized system. I mean, you can do cross-client learning. We could start taking this on the road. We could really, really mature this option. But I can't be more passionate about thinking that this is a time to actually mature our service provision to our client through virtualization almost forcing us to taking that information out of the tools that we utilize. I have actually never considered that perspective specifically around the sanctity of the data and the purity of the data and making sure that you're being data driven when you're making decisions as a brilliant reason for us to have a virtual environment. I had never considered that, but I see that so clearly because I know that many of those in this audience listening have been in a situation where either they've been in a meeting and they've been reporting information and somebody else steps in and says, no, that's actually not Mm -hmm. where we are right now. And Mm -hmm. your data's wrong, right? Or the opposite, where the data tells a very clear story and everybody spends a lot of time explaining away the data and why it's wrong, as opposed to just letting the data speak for itself and then yep. taking all that energy and moving it towards a more productive conversation about how do we move towards a better state or the and outcome we want to achieve or whatever that looks like. You're touching on a really big issue here. It's called trust. Trust yeah. in your reporting system. How can you trust a reporting system that is perspective driven? Right. For me, when I run recovery work and you walk in and say, look, 
oh, here's all our reports. I say to them, how is it manufactured? How did that report come about? Oh, we fill in a template. I said, it's like reading a fiction book. You are giving (laughs) me a story of someone's perspective. Now, if that person's perspective, and I'll be a bit candid here, I'll say if that person's perspective is that they want to come across and appear brilliant when Mm -hmm. you've got a watermelon project, it's red on the inside, it's green on the outside. I said, I can read all these reports to the cows come home. It's not worth an inch. So if I ever do recovery work, I said, don't worry about the reports. I'm not interested. Give me a log. Give me a schedule. I can tell instantly if I pick up a schedule and you look at the work breakdown structure, you can see how a PM thinks. You can Mm -hmm. see how it's been developed and and then you can see whether it's constrained, whether there's linkages. I know the the maturity of the PM dependent on how well the tools are manufactured, pulled together and delivered. And then you can read through all of the logs. Are risks really risks? Are they business risks? Have they been able to mix them? You can start to see the status of the project through your tools. So if in that case, your reports to me if they are completely manufactured off templates without any data filled, I do question the strength of what I'm reading. Am I reading fiction or am I actually starting to read the true problems of the project? But virtualization enhances the ability to be able to just move to a model where you are data-driven and decisions as being made on real fact. And if you can sit there in that meeting and you can say, no, that report is produced off the back of scheduled data, baselined, well-managed, and you can actually track that issue right back. There's no argument. It deflates and you have trust. You have trust in what you're reading. And once you get that trust and the executive have that trust, I mean, the report becomes the holy grail. It is the thing that they will hang on to. Wow, that's great. I love how we're putting this in perspective so that PMO leaders and project and program portfolio managers listening can be thinking about what role they can play in ensuring that the data is meaningful, that it's real, and that people can use it to actually drive decisions. And at the same time, there is a role for perspective. There's a role for when you have real data that tells a real story that is meaningful, you can also share guidance. You need to apply context. You still need to apply context. A a data, an aspect of data without context is, again, just as meaningless. So you can have an incident, for example, where your testing could be read, but there may be a contextual requirement to say, yes, but we know why and this is why. So, of course, you, you always develop the report out of your data but then you apply that box of project management context that said, yes, we are delayed. Yes, our testing has got numerous defects. However, mm-hmm. we understand why and we were anticipating this at this time in the project. So you still need both, but you don't need one and not the other. Mm-hmm. So sense. this is fantastic. I think this is some really great guidance for all of our impact drivers listening to be thinking about a valuable service that they can be providing to the organization to help drive the ever important educated and informed decisions, causing action, causing decisions to keep things moving forward. So let's say, because this is a a great case for the right tools, right? And putting the right tools in place. And that does not mean, by the way, to go nuts, go crazy, go buy a whole bunch of tools 
or yeah. try and overcomplicate the process, right? You still can do this very simply and use a streamlined process for deciding on a tool and implementing a tool and all that. So it's still a great case for tools and knowing the role that maybe as a PMO leader or as a project manager, you might have to add to give the context. And that is a great way to become a trusted advisor in your organization because you still have to put your experience into the equation and help them understand how to interpret the data with that context. But the data has got to be worth interpreting because it's got to be yeah. accurate, right? So that's where the PMO adds even more power. Because yeah. imagine if you were in, your, in the PMO and you didn't waste four out of your five days producing reports. What if yes. in the PMO, all of a sudden, that is a 24-hour turnaround job and, and you have the rest of your, your time to focus on maturing and uplifting project tools, that you're actually cleansing them, you're checking them, that you're maturing them so that your logs, your scheduling start to mature. And that's how you're starting to mature your portfolios, your programs and your projects. And it creates value for those PMOs where you are no longer seen in as a governance and reporting tool. You're seen as a maturity. The minute you get increasing maturity, you're starting to be able to make a huge impact on your yeah. ROI when it comes back to actually being a PPM provision and service back to the business. So it all interlinks and all those cogs turn to actually make PMOs more powerful change the focus back into maturing your tools. And this virtualization actually helps create the space to do that and also makes it somewhat a necessity to mm -hmm. be able to provide those service provisions back to your client. Oh, for sure. So all of you listening have ever been called administrative overhead or box checkers, or that's just a reporting function. This gives you a very clear way to automate the things that can be automated so that your craft, your area of brilliance is being that trusted advisor to the business and helping them interpret the information they're looking at and help drive actual real business decisions that are going to help the organization achieve outcomes. Because being a trusted advisor is never considered administrative overhead. Being a trusted advisor are the kind of people and the roles and the functions that business leaders will fight to the death to keep because they know that that person or function in the organization is critical to business success. And so if you're looking for ways to shift from an administrative function or a quote unquote reporting function, this is a brilliant way to do that so that you're automating the stuff that is considered administrative and then you get to focus on the craft and the art side of being a PMO, of running portfolios, of managing projects, you get to focus on the art. So when we talk about AI and we talk about technology and tools and all those things, I'm always guiding people to don't put it in before you know what you're trying to do. But once you're clear on the decisions that need to be made, on the reporting that you need, automate that stuff fast so that you can hurry up and get to the side of being a PMO that business leaders will be begging for and will consider an invaluable asset to helping the organization achieve their strategic objectives. Absolutely. So one other thing I just want to throw out there is that I have seen many PMOs work virtually or partially virtually for a long time. 
And I want those that are listening that maybe are hearing a little bit of the yeah, but monster on their shoulder saying this isn't possible. Let me just tell you about Eric Means. Eric is a PMO director for an organization, a very big one, CDW. And Eric and his team of 150 project managers are responsible for 260 million in services projects that generates a whopping $2.5 billion portfolio of product revenue for CDW. He's been on episodes of this podcast, including one recently, episode 048, where we talked about ways to keep your PMO relevant during and beyond this chaotic time that we're in. And they've been doing a lot of the things that we're talking about for a very long time and been very successful. And they clearly know how the work they're doing is connected to the organization achieving its strategic objectives. And that is just proof in the pudding that this absolutely can be done and done very successfully. So those of you that are wondering or are skeptical, there are real examples out there of PMOs that have been doing this long before this pandemic. But you have a real opportunity here because the chances are, if you're listening to this, your PMO did have to work remotely during this time. So remember how everyone came together and remember how people were working together on projects and remember how people adapted to new technology overnight because they had to figure out how to expand upon and leverage that and really truly build that into the fabric of how your PMO serves the organization, how projects are done in the organization, because you've proven that it can be done and it can be done fairly well and with very little change resistance because people didn't have time to be change resistant. They just had to be a part of it and move on and get it done. So use this as an opportunity to evolve your PMO and how it delivers an impact. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing your ideas on ways that a PMO can be virtual and still drive an incredibly important, impactful role for the organization and help the organization achieve its strategic goals. And for all of you impact drivers listening, if you have not signed up for the PMO Impact Summit yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It is a free event where you can hear and learn more from Amanda. We have a fantastic conversation during the summit sessions, and you can engage with all of the speakers inside the community. So just make sure you download the Impact Driver Network app and join the conversation and ask questions of our speakers and make sure you're signed up for the summit so that you can gather all this free, amazing content from an incredible lineup of thought leaders in this space. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time and sharing your insights with this community. We are all very fortunate to have you here and be able to Here's some great ways, frankly, I hadn't even considered as another uh, one of the many reasons and ways a PMO can be effective when it's virtual. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you soon. And a huge thank you and shout out to Clarizen, our PMO Impact Summit sponsor. Clarizen offers the only adaptive solution on the market for enterprise collaborative work management. Their solution enables you to work in whatever manner you want, whether a waterfall, agile, or a combination of the two. Companies find immense value in the visibility the solution brings across the many work streams in an organization, regardless of where the work is being done. People quickly turn ideas into strategies, plans, and actions to adapt and respond faster to market changes. Project leaders can move faster with better data, eliminate work chaos with complete transparency, and work smarter with better results. 
You can learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Clarison. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Clarison. See you there. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for being here. And all of you impact drivers, I hope you have a fantastic and high impact week. Bye-bye for now. 